Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Family Road Trip Podcast, Season 5, Episode 4. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our wonderful, awesome, incredible, way too cool and fun couples, the Elmores and the Beaties. Welcome. So folks, if you're just tuning in, really what is this all about is that we've been fashioned by God for a fulfillment in God and he provides for it in our marriages and families. And the journey involves us, hopefully all the time, but on a weekly basis, committing ourselves to a time of meaningful talking and praying. And to help make that easy and fun, we have this thing called a Live It Gathering Guide. And you can find out more at ilovemyfamily.us. So these wonderful co-journers with us are on their fourth week of seven weeks. They're already beautiful superstars in their faith by God's grace and his anointing. We're all working it out, right? So yes, we're all on a journey. We're all imperfect. Got that. But their mass, they, they've been receiving the grace from commitment to the Holy Mass. They pray the rosary. Adoration is important to them. But what we're discovering here and invite you to join us in discovering is this relationship at the heart of ritual, this relationship at the heart of religion, this dynamic connection that God has given us in our family relationships. Devices can be divisive, especially in this day and age. You know, we can find ourselves around people, but be the loneliest people ever in history. In fact, that is our story right now, that there's more depression, there's more suicide. Why is that if we have so many means of quote unquote connecting with others? Well, maybe it's that we're not taking the time to be personally connected to one another, that we're not curious about their lives, we're not being stretched beyond ourselves. And if you will, these devices are kind of maybe building walls around us. So we're inviting you to make this commitment with us. We're in the fourth week, and by the way, wherever you're at with this, it's a lifelong journey. We're just asking folks to commit to a solid seven weeks, habit-forming seven weeks, to see what God will do in pouring out that grace in these meaningful connections. And it does mean breaking through discomfort. If you haven't inherited, you know, in your family, hey, we're going to get together, guys, on a particular night for a meaningful time of talking and praying, that can seem odd. It can seem awkward. So you gotta, we got to break through that and kind of say, you know, dads, moms, guys, we're going to do this, bring their favorite food, their favorite beverage, gather together, there's fun questions, there's daily questions. We you know, typically proclaim one of the readings from the subject this coming Sunday, and uh, we talk about it. So just to start us off, we are going to introduce our guests by way of a lightning round question. So Steph, if you're, I'm gonna share the screen right now. You can find us also at ilovemyfamily.us forward slash road trip, where you can see the visual version and you can see the past episodes. By the way, we've also, in the context of these weekly programs that you're hearing on the radio or watching live, we're discussing meaningful, edgy, challenging questions that parents and families face. For instance, we discussed family communication, which of us don't have struggles and a need to grow in family communication. Before that, we talked about the challenge of family prayer. Which of us don't need to maybe get good ideas and encouragement for how to bring our families together, not just to pray in a rote way, but to discover God alive in our prayer. So if you're looking right now, you see our homepage, massimpact.us, and you see the rotating banner of the various things. I'm gonna click on this first one, which is what we're all about, the Family Road Trip Podcast. You're tapping my knee. Just speed it up yeah, is that what you're saying I am. okay of those <laughs> engaged love. with mass impact 95 percent have increased in talking and praying in their homes 91 percent have increased in commitment to their parish communities 86 percent have increased in inviting others to participate in parish life pastors and leaders which of us would not want to see that be the case for our entire parish which of us would not like to see 95 percent of participants increase in talking and praying in their homes that's the gift that this can be if you join us in this journey. So there's this live it guide thing. I'm gonna click on it right now and probably the video is gonna pop up and I'm gonna stop hey it right away. And we're gonna click on this live it family gathering right here, which is gonna take us to the new every week live it gathering. And here you see the one pager. We went through this the first season. We're not gonna go through it again, but we do like to begin our road trip podcast with fun questions. So the past two weeks, we had the BDs and the Elmores each select a question. This week, my beautiful wife, Stephanie, is going to pick two oh, questions. I get to do it. You so do. I can't look at the, the screen. So before we do it, though, so, so, this what, so this is what we're going to do. Um, let's just first introduce ourselves, and then we're going to go to the Beaties first, and then the Elmores for lightning round questions. So, Beaties, who are you people? Give us the quick intro. Rachel Beattie. And Philip. And we have seven kids. 
most of the time beautiful and well behaved. <laughs> beautiful and most of the time well behaved, or most there of the time go. beautiful. <laughs> not so beautiful. I'm when just kidding. Not From Dub- you, go ahead. Right. Sorry. From Dublin, Ohio. And you will likely hear me say frequently, Rachel Schleter, because she is my beloved youngest sister. I'm one of six boys and the girl. She is like, uh, I don't know. She's the, more than the frosting on the cake. She's just the jewel of the night. The there you go. Something like that. Yeah. So, Elmores, who are you people? I'm Jeff, and this is my wife, Rachel Elmore. And we have three boys and another baby on the way in December. Ooh. And we're from Perrysburg, Ohio. Awesome. Very cool. And Steph, you invoked the the word that should not be mentioned. By the way, within the awesome. second episode, awesome. um, our one devout listener, my mom <laughs> from Dublin, Ohio, texted us in the middle of the program. And, you know, she's usually very affirming. And I love critique, too, by the way. But she says, you say the word awesome too much. So, mom, I appreciate that. And I just want to say you are awesome. I'm going to say 20 first. Okay, number 20. Beginning with the Beaties. One friend... I haven't spoken with in a while whom I'd like to connect with is. So you get to say it over the radio and over the internet. Proclaim Aaron Semenek. Oh, I like Aaron. I love From Cleveland. From Cleveland, Parma. Hey, Aaron, shout out to you. You're wonderful Can and I awesome. Rachel, yes. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble. <laughs> but I did that deliberately. I said wonderful first. <laughs> Phil. I would pick Todd Fitzik. That's oh. just a fun oh. name. Tell us yeah. about Todd. Give us a word about Todd. Why do you want to see Todd? He was a uh, friend of a friend uh, about college era. And um, yeah, just curious. It's been uh, 10 years at least since I've seen him or spoken to him. So I want to catch up, see how his, his boys and wife are doing. So. Awesome. Rachel, why Erin? I miss her. She's She is, she's always been a bit of a soul sister to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. From high school days or college. Yes. Okay. High school and college. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And awesome. Elmore's. Um, I'm going to go with Julie Pazakowski. There's another cool she, name. Good Irish name. Yeah. <laughs> she is. So she started off as my birth photographer. She comes to all my births. Mm. And I see her as a patient, but being a patient versus going out and mm. connecting is so different for me. So I miss her at that kind of level so so you're yeah. gonna have another baby so you can talk with her <laughs> no <Exactly. I'm> just <laughs> kidding <laughs> and one day we'll be able Uh-oh. to feature her testimony through video produced yeah. by an awesome yes. film producer yeah, right. <laughs> about right. this amazing chiropractic operation called turning, turning point, point. look it up <laughs> anyone from toledo yeah, support yes. go you'll be blessed beyond uh, anything no. turning point chiropractic so it's like Thank the truman you. show right like throughout the show we're holding up little products turning point. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's do that we should let's do that and then we'll get a honda in there for phil right yeah. that was good reach jeff how about you um, you know, there was a friend of mine from undergrad named Dave Tharp, and he's a chiropractor as well in uh, Marion, Ohio. Oh. And they have uh, little kids the same age as ours, and just with life getting busy, we're focusing on our family, they're focusing on theirs, and it'd be really nice to touch base with them and see how things are going. Awesome. I said it. Yes. But it is great. <laughs> it's Wonderful. Okay. It's okay. Enlightening. We accept you. Stephanie. Dominic actually gave us like this whole list. He started rattling off. You should say this and this and this and this. And We're going to start his podcast on running yeah. fairly soon. That will be interesting. Little trailer. It's Steph. like there's so many more engaging words than mm. awesome anyway, where you can like draw <laughs> them in. And I'm like, thank you, 15-year-old son. Which is good. Yeah. He's actually wise. I appreciate that. I know. It was that. great advice. I don't remember anything he said. <laughs> but they were great. I'll write them down. So Stephanie, <laughs> give us another number. Oh, can we answer that question? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, because I was like, all of a sudden I started thinking and usually I'm not prepared in the thought. So (laughs) um, I'm going to give, I'm going to say two because I can. So of recent history, I would say Janine Waskovich, those listeners Mm. who heard our first, were they in our first season? No. No. Third, maybe. They were the last season. They all blend together. Brand new. No, they weren't the last one. So um, just miss her. just kind of a, a, a neat immediate connection that we had and found out later that she 
knew my brother from years ago when they were stationed in Nebraska together. But anyway, so shout out to the Waskoviches. We miss you. We love you. We'd love to connect again. Mike's hilarious. He was in our Man Up edition with Walt and me and very fun. Who's your number two since you're and my number two, sorry, hosting would be, privilege? Um, my little person friend growing up, she lived next door to us. Um, until I was in third Little grade, maybe. Friend. Yeah, so her name was Stephanie also, which I just thought was really cool. So Stephanie Curtis, I have no idea where she's at, but it would just be really fun to reconnect because of that, just to see what these last 40 plus years have brought to her. So Steph will tell you I'm fairly well wired that when somebody's on my heart and I'm missing them, usually within 24 hours, I've reached out to them. But I'm going to say Dave McElroy. He uh, was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding. And a dear friend from Wisconsin days, he went to Premontre, which was a Catholic school in Green Bay. And we played them in sports. I went to Lourdes Academy in Oshkosh. And uh, you're tapping my knee again. What does <laughs> that mean? Brief, you know? well, I'm, I'm excited okay. about talking about <laughs> okay. Dave. So Dave, if you look up the <laughs> Dave, Dave Mac band, he's a big country star now with some pretty awesome music out there. He just took the leap from running a landscaping company and it on his heart to do music. So really fascinating. Do the search, Dave Mack Band, and uh, just a beloved friend, we beloved brother in Christ. take the across the screen. There you go. <laughs> so Stephanie, Michelle, okay, yes. now you need to pick un autre nombre. How about 41? That's a good number. Just because. Oh, I don't like that. One of the okay. saddest moments <laughs> of my life. Let's pick another one. Okay. Because <laughs> we just shared that. <laughs> one story. of the saddest yeah. moments of my life was when. Um, but we'll we'll uh, give an executive privilege. Uh, 48. Okay. One thing that really ticks oh. me off <laughs> is when. You know, that's a good one. Let's do that one. Lightning round oh. question. One thing that really ticks me off is what? We have a full household here. Nine people in the house here. And I, I often complain about wanting a, a a clear path, you know, from <laughs> where I'm sitting to the door, maybe, or to the garage, to the fridge, because um, I don't mind stuff piling up along the sides, but it, but I'm I'm joking. It's not that bad. In-house bulldozer. Like orderly house, I guess. He, he jokes that on his epitaph, it's going to say, all he wanted was a path. Realize <laughs> Philip Petey, all he wanted was a path, because I'm going to trip and break my neck and die probably. <laughs> now pray for his path to heaven. Yeah. And for me, it's the way my husband takes roundabouts because <laughs> he doesn't just jet, he fancies he's a race car driver suddenly. And he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, was that really necessary? Well, we're late, but does really that even shave off even like a millisecond for all the kids to be like gripping on us or <laughs> cups are tipping over? Just the phrase. Um, was that really necessary? Like that trying to be loving <laughs> and charitable, but like, ah, was that really necessary? That's not what I say. Yeah. <laughs> we, live, we live in the flat plains of, you know, central Northwest Ohio. So we got to take every turn we can, you know, there aren't many out there. So yeah. Up while you got it. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Wonderful. Okay. Elmore's, what ticks you off besides us saying awesome all the time? <laughs> Is it bad? I actually do have a list. No. <laughs> Give us your top. Um, I'm going to say um, when I do pour my heart out into a text and I'm waiting for a response mm. and someone takes like days to respond to me, but I see that they're on other social media things. Mm. I'm like, I know my text is lingering there. Right, right. Oh, yeah. That really gets me riled mm. up. So that's a good one. That's an honest one, and I'm in agreement with mm -hmm. you. If you want to, yeah. you know, shoot off a more a couple more to make you feel better, <laughs> it's therapeutic. Oh, you go for it. In fact, let's do a live program where we call them up. Let's do a program where we call them up on the phone <laughs> live over our program. No, Doctor Jeff. So mine's kind of a weird one, but this is literally the first thing that popped into my head. One time we had a secretary at the office use my fingernail clippers. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was the weirdest thing in the whole world. <laughs> and like, you know, like, that's the first thing that popped into my head. That is great. <laughs> so I there's love that. crashing into your car. There's <laughs> no, there's not there's picking up your clothes. And we're going with nail clippers. Nail clippers, yeah. That's good. Not Stephanie. Personal. Can you go first so I can think? Okay, so, I mean, too many things. I am not a holy soul, but I'm glad that I have a great opportunity in cultivating less ticked-offness in life. But I'm going to just go with what came to mind right away. When I am 
in the mood for a song or a playlist style and I call upon the hallowed name of Alexa in our home. And sometimes, you know, like the other day, it was like, I wanted to do a little blues. Joe Bonamassa, who I really like, he's a blues guy, great guitarist. And I simply wanted to say, Alexa, how about some Joe Bonamassa radio? And hey, Alexa, and my son Dominic sneaks in there, play Vivaldi. (laughs) (laughs) He knew it was So here's the dad who wants to rock out with some blues, and Dominic. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Alexa. Alexa, (laughs) stop. I'm going to unplug her. (laughs) See, I can't win. Alexa was literally going to play whatever it was. So anyways, no, minor ticked offness, and I have to kind of lay the rule down. We're going to talk discipline later on, by the way, in this program. So it's kind of a little trailer into the end of this program. We'll talk child discipline. Steph, was that enough of a... So sure. Um, So what came to mind in that, maybe that last point was... um, Me? Well, no, I could go off about people on their phone while you're interacting with them or trying to or families when you see them out no one's communicating but they're all on their little phones oh oh (laughs) great that wasn't nice um it's meant to be an illustration so um but when there's something like in the path phil to use your little thing and that everyone keeps stepping over instead of just picking up and putting it away like i gave the boys haircuts the other day and I took the um, clippers or whatever, and I set them on the stairs, thinking someone would grab them when they went up, since I cut their hair. And um, they stayed there for a little while. So the next time that I went up the steps, I took them, and someone was in the bathroom where they belong, and I set them outside the door. And whoever was in the bathroom when they came out, they literally stepped over them. So we had a little kind of like formation time with the children. <laughs> That does remind me of another one, and then we'll cut this off because oh. there are too many. But, <laughs> oh, you know, when your phones are running low on power, and I do mean the house phones, and you look at the phone cradle dock, and the phone is literally three inches away from the cradle. <laughs> <laughs> that extra three inches, you know, just was too much. Anyways, folks, so blessed you're on the journey with us, Family Road Trip Podcast. What's it all about? A journey to eternity encountering God more fully alive in our marriages and families by just making sacred, meaningful time to ask good questions and to be attuned to the soul of another using this Live It Gathering Guide, inviting you to commit to just 45 minutes for a rich time of that. This should be all the time, right? It should be that we're always attuned to the souls of others, but it's to make that meaningful time and really experience God come alive. We just did some fun questions that you can find at the Gathering Guide. And then we have what are called daily questions. In the past episodes, we've done a victory and a challenge. And last week we did, I think, something that we're grateful for. Mm -hmm. And this week we're going to ask our wonderful guests here um, share something new and meaningful that's happened or is happening in your life. I just wanted to say like the scripture passage, behold, I make all things new, um, really strikes me right now because I just think we're all in a phase of a lot of growth and change. So like I sense it in me and I was talking with Philip about how in particular, like our twins who are 15, um, we're just noticing how just this year, finally, they're like, um, they're just engaging in their faith in a beautiful way and they're mm. they're bringing the other kids along with them. They're offering to help a lot. They're kind of like sensing other people's needs and they're just being like a force of good and mm. beauty in our family. That's I kind awesome. of felt like we waited forever and we didn't think it was going to happen. And it's just like seeing them grow and become beautiful young ladies has been really hopeful. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. It's inspiring. And just what a great testimony from really good parents that you persevere no matter how good you are. And we all fall short of the mark, but we know the golden quality of your hearts and desires. We face the bumpy road and you stick with it. And we're going to talk about this maybe later on, children discipline, but there is light at the end of that perseverance. There's goodness. And then they start to contribute to the godliness of the culture. So I'm hearing you in a move by that. So this is a little slice of life in the BD living room. I so love beautiful. that. That is just amazing. To bring your family together, even if you don't lead music or an instrument, um, the gift of praise 
is such a gift because in our Catholic faith, we get ritual, we get rote prayer, but to open that door to kind of a relational kind of prayer just is like, I don't know, like lifeblood flowing through. It's like wind in the sails. So beautiful. If you've ever been to any events, you know, we maybe get that we can do it at a Crisio or Chirp Ignite or special event, but, you know, consider doing it in your home. Consider playing a song, a favorite praise song. Pretty awesome, Rachel and Phil. Thank you. Wow. Elmore's Something New. (laughs) So Friday night, we got invited to a backyard mass. Um, Our priest, Father Keyshore at St. Rose, is trying to do geographical masses. So he'll ask a family to host, and then um, people around that area are welcome to come to the mass. So Teresa and John Mark Grodi in their backyard hosted a mass for maybe five other families. And it was so beautiful, the simplicity of it being outside and the altar and Isaac got to be one of five other uh, altar servers. Oh, Isaac. (laughs) Yay. So he can't stop talking about it. He was so proud. So here's a little clip of that. If you don't mind, I'm going to show that you sent to me. Yes, please. Oh, there he is. Yay, Isaac. Great bow. Father Keyshore, love Shout him. out in the beautiful image of the Sacred Hearts, whose feast day it was. Oh. <laughs> I love him. Isaac's sitting in the priest chair. <laughs> hmm. Prophetic. Hmm. Prophetic, my kid. Yes. Beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. Wonderful. <laughs> I said beautiful. It, so it took us, precious. It took us about five minutes to get him to stand up for that part. <laughs> He's just looking at us like, stand up, stand up. He's know? like, what? He's pretty comfortable what? in that what? chair by the altar, let me tell you. How moving was that also? Wow. It was beautiful. Well, on top of that, it was Teresa and John Mark's 10th wedding anniversary that oh, day. Oh, wow. I mean, how beautiful for them. And they right. renewed their vows. It was beautiful. Oh, so. to be a yes. part of that. What a great. Yes. Mm, and Father Keisha. Um, those of you who have the blessing of knowing him in the Toledo area know that he is just an amazing, incredible, holy, um, just heart of the Lord priest. So yeah. when, when we found out that he was coming to St. Rose, um, I'd ask some people, they'd say, oh, I heard Father Keisha's going there. And everybody would say, what a holy man. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the word that they would use mm-hmm. to describe him. And he is um, shown us that for sure. Right. And an and, and, and approachable holiness. Yes, yes. very much. Yes. Like those words together, approachable holiness. So folks, you're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, and it's also airing visually at uh, ilovemyfamily.us. This is the Family Road Trip Podcast, and we're just so excited that uh, the fourth stop of our seven-stop journey, and um, we're not going to just ask our co-journers here who've been doing this Live It Gathering Guide now four weeks, four weeks, just how to go this past week. Yeah, it was good. Um, we did it earlier today, actually, and uh, um, yeah, I think we, um, maybe because the kids had stayed up late last night, they are a little more subdued, mm. <laughs> and, and uh, they, they weren't in a hurry to interrupt one another, um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was good, and we uh, focused, as the Elmer mentioned the last week, I think it was, to uh, focus on one of the readings, mm-hmm. um, so that was good to be able to um, have it more uh, concise, I guess. And, and to go more in depth with one of the videos. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Any additions, Rachel? Or? No, and uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> when we talked about going over the questions first, we did that as well um, so that they kind of knew what we were going to be asking them. And I think that helped us to um, hone in on what exactly we would get out of the readings. Awesome. Very good. I said awesome because it was. <laughs> Elmore's, <laughs> take that, Grandma. Hey, you can't say that. So um, we just, we tried it different this week. As uh, Bisa mentioned, we had broken it down and done a reading, so we did three separate ones. This time we did one longer one and and tried that and just really focused on the gospel reading Mm -hmm. and um, just got more in depth with our conversations since we had their attention. It went really well. Um, And Malachi. Uh, Malachi 
about two nights later, he's like, you know, are we gonna do that extra special thing we've been doing? Aww. And since we decided only to do it one night, a little bit longer, I said, well, we did it. He goes, no, we didn't. I said, we already did it this week. But you could see that, I mean, he was enjoying it. He was looking forward to it that night again. So that was pretty special. But That's cute. Um, one thing that we just keep getting blown away about is the apology section. Mm -hmm. You want to share Isaac's? Yes, so um, the boys were outside um, cleaning up, sweeping off the driveway, and we had one broom, and Malachi was using it, and Isaac came up and took it from him, and it was sweeping off the driveway. And I said, Isaac, you can't take that from Malachi. And so Isaac got mad and kind of threw it on the ground and kind of stomped off. And so later at night, we were talking about it, and I said, who, who should, he said, he mentioned that he wanted to apologize for that. And I said, who, do you, who should you apologize to? And he said, well, Malachi, I said, yeah, you know, and you took it from him. I said, what about mom and dad? And he said, yeah, you know, and, and then I said, what about Rocky? And because he's, he's seeing you do those mm. things and as a big brother. And so he kind of got like, you could tell it really clicked with him that mm. his one action affected everybody that was standing there at that time. And, and he actually, he had like, the, he just kind of cried as he said it, because I think mm. it, it was a different kind of cry. It was like a wow, I, I actually see how this affected everybody mm. kind of cry. And almost like a healing cry mm. because we all forgave him. Oh. It was it was so beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And to, for him to hear the words, I forgive you. Mm. Like that's right. just- Right, we all did it. Right. Well, Rocky, I said, do you forgive Isaac? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it <good>. counts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that is wow. a great segue into our meaningful question um, for this particular week, and it's a challenging question. I invite those of you who are listening right now or watching us to maybe reflect on this and consider sharing it with somebody closest to you. And uh, so really is essentially, what was a time where you had to say you're sorry, you had to apologize, and the difference that it made in your life? And I just maybe want to begin by saying numerable times, I want to lead off myself in sharing, you know, so we lead this evangelization discipleship organization, and often they've included our children, and the enemy attacks most powerfully before events. And there've been innumerable times before the events, uncanny how the enemy attacks with our kids, with myself. I'm working on logistics and I'm wanting Joseph to lead music and this daughter to help Joseph and those sorts of things, or so-and-so speaking and we're going over their talk and there's some attitude that enters in there and I get frustrated. So there've been moments though where right before we're ready to go on, really things kind of reached a pitch that you would never expect or never want to happen, especially since you want to be, I want to be thoroughly authentic. I don't want to fake it. There's nothing that bothers me more than being inauthentic. Even if I have to say, you know, folks, which is what would happen. So let me back up and say, what happened was, okay, um, we had to go, we had to do our thing. I apologize for my part as quickly as possible. I said, God is in this. And we then put on the events and I would share with literally the group of people that we're speaking with that, you know, I'm fallen, I am broken. Literally, guys, 30 minutes ago, this happened. I apologize. I know I'll have to apologize more, maybe for my tone or the way I manage something. But I need to tell you that through that, God blesses us all the more profoundly, humbles us. He makes us open to his grace. We're no longer then operating out of a delusion that it's our own power. Um, we come just really broken and availed to God's grace. And I will say that Brokenness prior to the events made them particularly powerful and opened hearts and minds to those that were listening to, to be more than, if you will, a religious type. And I'll summarize and simply say that we can put a lot of energy into appearing holy, and it really should be into becoming holy. And that path is really prescribed by an honest awareness of the ways in which we fall short. And all the scandals, really, that we've faced in the last years, let's face it, decades, millennia in our life, if we could just say, gosh, Lord, I need you radically, I need you. And if we can only create the culture that you spoke of, Elmore's, in our marriages and families to promptly acknowledge and confess and to seek that grace and get people to pray for us. So all of that is so powerful. It defeats the gates of hell, literally. Apology defeats the gates of hell in such a powerful way that I wanted to ask you, our wonderful guests here with us, to kind of share in your own lives a time where maybe you had to apologize and the impact that it had. Let's begin with the Elmore's. Gosh, that was so beautiful. You gave me chills. I could have kept listening to you. Um, actually, I am going to kind of tag on that. I'm not going to give you a specific scenario because um, there's probably many that I could say, but I think I wanted to reflect on the beginning of our marriage 
-hmm. If there was something that I thought Jeff did that hurt me and that he should apologize for, maybe I should. I just, for about three days, wouldn't let my light shine to him. Mm -hmm. I would answer him. It wasn't ignoring, but I would just kind of like hang it there, hang it there for days until he would find me like, you're kind of quiet for the last few days. What's going on? And then I'm like, well, this happened and not, you know, like then it all came out. But after, you know, then, so then we would talk about it, but, mm -hmm. you know, slowly throughout our marriage, that was such a big waste of energy. Mm -hmm. And we help um, engaged couples. Um, we do like marriage retreat or um, engaged couple weekends to prep them for marriage. And I think that helped us out a lot because we incorporated so much more prayer with our marriage mm -hmm. that honestly, are now when we need to apologize for each other it is quick mm -hmm. but there's a rawness to it and it's mm -hmm. not a quick to be done with it it's like a quickness to be healed mm -hmm. and it feels so good mm -hmm. to just i don't like the lingering of three days anymore mm -hmm. we like it three done. Days of darkness yeah right. it really is right. it really right. is and it's mostly it was me like I said, I love, you know, let your light shine. And I was not for days. Not, it wasn't the silent treatment. It was just like, I'll just wait, you know, right, right. he'll bring it up. He'll bring it up. Right. Right. You that know, is powerful. When we, it's we, so powerful. Yeah. We mm -hmm. just hit it head on. We're healed and we move forward. So awesome. Oh, <laughs> you remove Satan from the mix, right? You just remove Satan from the oh, mix. Yeah. Immediately. As a yeah. scripture passage says, don't let the sun set in your anger and give the enemy. So there's something being told uh, that when we stew in the cloud of unforgiveness, apology or whatever, that's the enemy's turf. We're playing on his turf. Right. Anyways. And then we can do the mind games with ourselves of rationalization. Not that I know what you're talking about, Rachel, at all. <laughs> oh, like, I'm not being mean. I'm not being unkind. Like, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, so all those things and kind of you know, putting it on the other. And um, why are you smiling? You're so beautiful. <laughs> and, and it's um, the eve of our 23rd anniversary. It is. Oh, my um, gosh. So, yes. And I think so many of our listeners um, can relate and, and be inspired by that because it is in those ways that the evil one works and, yes. you know, tries to put out that light. And um, mm -hmm. I love the phrase you use, just the rawness of it. You know, like yeah. that's, that's real, but it's in that yeah. where the healing comes and the desire to just go at it and, and get to that healing so that you can, right. you know, move beyond and go it. stronger. Right. Yeah. Good, good. So good. Jeff. Yeah. So mine's like kind of pretty superficial compared to that, but it, it impacted <laughs> me. Uh, it impacted me. It was just recent. Um, I was coming home from work and I, I had seen patients, you know, from 8.30 till 4, worked through my lunch. I, I literally didn't take a break at all. Mm -hmm. And I came home and, and we were negotiating this house and there were some inspection issues. And I came in, said hi to the boys, got on the phone, called the realtor, called the inspection company. And Isaac just got so upset with me. And dad, you're always on your phone. Mm -hmm. Dad, you're always on your phone. And I looked at him, I'm like, I have not touched my phone once today. Right. Um, I am not always on my phone and I'm, I'm pretty prideful that we're not, we trying to be on our phones around our kids. And I was like, no dude, listen. And I like, I was at work all day and this and this and this. And finally I realized I left early in the morning. I came home later and a couple minutes that he saw me, I was on my phone. So for him, mm -hmm. you're always on your phone was, yeah, when I was with him, I was on my phone. And so you talk about the very beginning intro that the, the device is becoming divisive and um that was just one instance for me and i, I at night i apologize i'm like i am so sorry but you are so right when i was with you i was there but i we have to do this for our home and we have to do this and i am so sorry buddy um i will work on it with you and um and he's like okay good you can sit in the chair um, next time dad <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful beautiful wow. beautiful beautiful and a page for most of us no matter how much we're in our devices, which we all have devices and we're all on them at some time, to have the empathy to look through the lens of others, mm -hmm. regardless of how much we're on it, you know? What is their perception? And even worse, if, if you will, maybe imagine this, Jeff, years down the road, if he just factored that in and gave up. 
hey, dad's yeah. always on the phone and I've, I'm done trying. And many are maybe in that place where they've carved out that space of expectation where their children no longer even know how to connect. At least you have that heartfelt, you know, like the car, the signal's going off, the, the tank is empty, whatever it is. You're getting that fresh feedback at a young age that will translate down the road if you maintain that, that he's telling you and you're able to mm -hmm. respond to it. So those who are listening right now or watching us, you know, maybe some of us are far gone and, and our culture has become one of factoring in that we're just going to be on our devices. Just imagine what it might be like to reclaim where your kids, your spouse desired to have this relationship with you and genuinely was bothered. That's a good thing. If they're bothered at the degree to which we're giving attention to the device over the person which of us don't need to all the more think about that. But thank you for raising that. But I just want to affirm also, Jeff, how beautiful, one, you came back and acknowledged his feelings, you know, which sometimes when we know we're right, <laughs> that's hard to do as a parent. And there's a place for it for sure. Um, but also, so like edifying him in that way and edifying the relationship in that way and validating his voice and his feelings in that way. But then also... I think it's so important for us when it is appropriate to share with our children what's going on. Like in their world, they're thinking, playing, eating. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they have this little list of things that are going on in their minds. And like mom and dad, you know, it's like the roll, roll decks, Rolodex, whatever the, you know, just yeah. it's the pages and pages and round and round of these things and what's mm. most important. And so not that they can ever fully grasp that, but just, you know, to dignify them enough to say, you know, well, this is what's going on and I have to take care of this. And ultimately, we know as parents that almost all of those things are for them, mm. right? Ultimately. <laughs> so, you know, in the little ways that we're able to in that formation, to be able to um, give them an empathetic heart, to get them to think outside of themselves, to know mm. that there's more that meets the eye. And, and ultimately, I know a great grace for us has been, you know, then our children pray in that way or more mindful yeah. in that way, awesome. you know, for those right. things. So just those few little moments that you took with Isaac, you gave him a wealth of wisdom in what it right. means to be a father. So good job. Yeah. Beautiful. Beaties. The beautiful beaties. Yes, they go together. Beautiful beaties. That was so great. Thank you, Elmore, for sharing and Greg, too. I loved how you said, Rachel, um, how you you didn't let your light shine for him. That was a really, mm -hmm. really great image for me. Um, my moment was, um, do you remember, Greg, after mom and dad's 50th wedding anniversary? Mm -hmm. um, we had the siblings and I, maybe Greg and I in particular, had just kind of put together like a big reception. And um, it was a wonderful celebration of their marriage. And then the next night mom and dad had a gathering of aunts and uncles at their house and we just kind of breathed a sigh of relief it was so nice to be with everybody and then mom who is so gracious had in advance ordered a bunch of gifts for all of her and who had helped put on this celebration for her do you remember what you received yes it was a bell i know where yes. you're going <laughs> so she had ordered she had ordered all these um beautiful bells because growing up it was mom's thing to call us to the table using this like big, I must say. A cowbell, because we're in Wisconsin. Hearty cowbell. Right. Because <laughs> we're in Wisconsin. And you all were a herd of cows, maybe not me. But, We'd always but, moo when she so, did it, by the way, for the listeners. When we were playing throughout the neighborhood in Wisconsin, and all of us kids who are a certain age, mom would ring this bell, and our kids' friends would make fun of us, but we'd diffuse it by be going, moo. So throughout the neighborhood, you hear Sleeters and their friends going moo when they rang this bell. Sorry. That's cute. So, um, so, she, so she gave us these precious bells, and then she waited till the end, and she said, you know, and Rachel... For you, we have the most precious, beautiful bell of all. And it was, it was like- Made of glass. Made of glass, <laughs> delicate, ordered from Poland, so pretty. <laughs> and, you know, it was wrapped up in paper and it was in a box. And anyway, we had a great night. We were leaving, the kids were all loaded up in the car. It was dark. And I was carrying probably whatever like food item I had brought and I had I think I didn't have the bell in the box. Like, I think I was holding it in the paper. And, you know, mom kind of walked outside with us and she said something like, 
be careful with the bell. And I threw out one of those like, you know, like adults with your mom telling you what to do. I got it, mom. <laughs> I stepped three steps through the grass onto the street and something <laughs> slipped and smashed. Like you could just hear this resounding smash. Oops. Silence. And then I think I heard mom say, is that the bell? <laughs> and I was just, I, wow. I think, I'm not sure if I answered. And then she just kind of walked into the house and I looked down, there was nothing that I could have retained from the bell. <laughs> so I like walked to the car. I'm like, so ends this beautiful moment. So I had to eat crow big time. So I'm like mustering my courage. And then in my head, I'm like, why'd I get a glass bell anyway? I have all these little kids. I don't have a <laughs> shelf to put, you know, I'm trying to like justify how it's not really my fault because it's a glass bell. But of course I should have had the bell in the box. Like mom said, are we frozen? We hear your voice, good. which is good. good. Okay, sorry. So anyway, I pulled it together and I called my mom and I actually, truth be told, it probably should have been a face-to-face. But I made it a voice message. And I just, I, I real, I mean, of course, by that time, I was like more, I felt the guilt. I mean, I did right away, but I wasn't justifying it. So it was just this heartfelt, I know you ordered this beautiful thing for me and I didn't handle it well. And I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so thoughtful of you. And the coolest thing, and I love this about mom, our mom, is she left me a message. I wasn't able to answer the phone. And I like my heart was in my throat. Like, I'm like, mm. what is she going to say? You know? <laughs> and when I listened to that message, I wish I was able to keep it, but it was like five phones ago now. And it was the most gracious. She's mm. just such a great forgiver. Don't mm. you agree? Like just Absolutely. a really good, um, just, you know, it was just so um, heartfelt and it's all right. And I'm, you know, I just love you. And um, her words were healing. Mm. Her words were, it was a beautiful moment that helped me to just, love and respect my mom so much mom you're an awesome forgiver (laughs) that is no that you're right though and i appreciate those moments and uh in every way especially those of you who uh, are parents and becoming grandparents and there's pride involved there in certain ways and just to be set free versus having to carry that another day or two or five or who knows how many go through days weeks and months and just kind of conceal the fact that whatever it is is broken. Use it as a metaphor. Things broken in our lives. Why should mm. they remain broken? The most significant thing is the relationship. Why should the relationship suffer for a bell? Anyways, thank you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Felipe. I think the, one of the a big events um, for me uh, was when I first started working, um, graduating college and working in a professional office and kind of trying to establish my, you know, the, the newest guy in block or, or the whipping boy in the office, if you will. <laughs> but um, so I was busy doing my work and there was a, an obnoxious uh, fellow employee in the, in the office there who um, he uh, asked me for help uh, to, to uh, run a quick errand for him. I basically told him to, you know, go do it yourself, you know. And uh, um, so that was that was one time when here I am, uh, you know, everybody knew I was a Christian or knew you know, try to wear my faith on my sleeves. And, but here I am, you know, acting totally not Christ-like mm-hmm. and to this, this man, I could have easily helped him, but you know, my pride was in the way. So, so I think, uh, later on that, that week, um, I went back to him and uh, apologized. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course our relationship was never the same, but, um, so it was a shame in that sense, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that was one, one occurrence I thought of. That's awesome. I do think the circumstances that we're faced with in this country right now, Um, The national narrative needs to be one of apology and forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like poison we drink, expecting the other person to be hurt. And at some point, everybody's been hurt in some way. I can't judge the experience of racism, which must, you know, be extremely painful for many. Uh, It can't be diminished. But at some point, the only way of healing and restoration is going to be people to say, okay, I, I hear your sincere apology and I receive it. And even if they don't hear that, to say, you know, I forgive you, that needs to enter into our language 
uh, at a national level, and I don't think we'll be healed until we do. So what's, I just, yes, Steph. Sorry, what's interesting, John, our John Paul brought up a, a famous quote, and I don't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Chesterton or Churchill or one of those figures, but that our culture um, accepts everything but forgives nothing. Hmm. And I just thought that was interesting because, you know, I mean, you can apply that on so many levels, but just we're so accepting of this and that and this and that as a secular culture. And then when someone messes up, it's the, the apology is never enough, you know? And so I think we give, we need to give greater witness to that as a faith-filled people, as Christ mm. church, whether it's in, you know, our marital relationship or our, a familial relationship with our kids or, you know, extended family. Um, but just we can be that light, you know. So folks way. are listening to us over Ignite Radio Live, Catholic Radio, or watching us at ilovemyfamily.us. We're on a seven-week journey to more fully encounter Christ alive in our homes. And you're hearing us kind of living it. These two couples are doing it in their homes and they're sharing the experience, the challenge of, uh, of making this moment happen in their homes and hopefully it becomes more than a moment hopefully it becomes a movement hopefully it becomes cultural defining we're just kind of tapping the reality that this is really we got to live what we need to see happen in the world around us don't we we can read the paper we can point fingers we can watch the news but if we're not embodying these values of apology and forgiveness with those closest to us really what can we expect for the rest of the world so really the practicum i ask all of you right now who are listening or watching us is simply right now who is somebody you need to forgive as soon as i said that you can think of somebody somebody has come to mind that's hurt you and maybe you feel like there's reasons and justification let's break the chains of slavery the true eternal slavery to the enemy who loves nothing more than unforgiveness for it to stew in us and to stir and just to keep drinking that toxic poison that cycle can be ended right now by you simply picking up the phone or whatever form is best for you to express apology, to express forgiveness. And if you're distant from them, if they've died, in some cases that may be the case, a deceased loved one or friend, but in our heart of hearts, just right now, ask God for that grace to say, you know, I truly forgive. I truly apologize. Set me free. Let me walk in the light of why Christ died to reconcile us to the Father through his sacrifice on the cross. He took our sin upon himself that we could be united. You know, this is the grace being poured out. Let's receive it. And this is how we participate. And it doesn't just happen. You know, we receive the Eucharist, but we got to live the Eucharist. And that means right now, think of that person. You need to apologize. You need to forgive and just do it. And then send me an email and tell me how awesome it was because I want to talk about it. I want to hear that story of the power that happened when you did this. Greg at MassImpact.us. Do it for us. Inspire us all. Folks, so um, so blessed to have you with us. We're going to land now with a conversation. We always have been doing, we've been, we've been doing conversations about meaningful, edgy things in family life over the past two episodes. The first one, we talked about family prayer and the struggle with it and some best practices. Last week, we talked about communication, the challenges of conflict management and learning to just understand one another and communicate. Great points were made by both of our wonderful guests here. And uh, now we're going to raise the subject of child discipline, which is about what? The root word discipline, disciple. It means literally to make disciples. And to set it up, I've got this clip. One time when there were only seven of us, we lived in a small house. We had one bedroom for all those kids. We had three bunk beds in that bedroom. The youngest child rotated. (laughs) (laughs) So when our parents would send us to bed at night, they did not expect immediate quiet. You know, you'd be in your bed, someone would start talking, you'd talk back, pretty soon everyone's talking. (laughs) So when our bed talking touched, and then as the night goes on, you get creative, you come up with ideas. Say, I wonder if I could jump from the top of this bunk in the dark to the top of that bunk and you try it and you make it and then you tell your youngest brother sure I think you can make it too and he hits hard but the point is there's a lot of commotion talking touching and jumping my dad didn't handle it like a lot of other parents he didn't yell out idle threats like you better stop don't make me come down there I'll give you one more chance he didn't do that Here's how my dad handled it. We'd be talking, touching, jumping. Suddenly the bedroom light would be on. And he was just there. We did not know how he got there. 
When that bedroom light came on, all he saw was seven heads pop up. <laughs> we look like a bunch of prairie dogs looking for an eagle. <laughs> We're all looking at him thinking things like, why doesn't he make noise? Why do we have a ninja dad? Talking about the importance of discipline, and which means to form disciples. Just any quick thoughts, when we begin with the Beatties, on the subject of discipline. One good thing that we uh, would like to do more of, I think, is to be on the same page mm -hmm. so that you don't have a child who's, you know, going to pick the mom to be on, on her side versus the dad's side. Or if we're on, if the parents are on different levels uh, about a punishment or, or uh, you know, consequence, to have a, a little signal, you know, baseball signal you can do real quick. <laughs> I like so that. that. So that a signal that, hey, let's discuss this later or rather than in front of the child say hey well this is actually what happened while you were out of the room and heard this great point so important so important rachel if a child is misbehaving and maybe one of our approaches has been to almost kind of laugh at it because it seems so outlandish in the moment and then later we reflect on it and we think that was not a good approach mm -hmm. but we brought along another child with this approach, mm -hmm. you know, and we've noticed mm -hmm. that this other child maybe laughs with us at the child who's misbehaving. And we've noticed that this has become a bad thing, you know, but when we realize that something maybe we've done didn't work, not just to switch gears, but we actually should probably pull aside the child who we noticed has really taken in this approach that we've been using and say, hey, and it's like the apology thing. We have been doing this poorly. This was a bad way to handle the problem. We noticed you've kind of been doing this as well. We are gonna stop this. We're gonna try a different approach mm -hmm. and we want you to like so notice and join with us. Mm -hmm. You know, just kind of fessing up to the kid that the kids that we've done things wrong. Thank you, BDs, Elmores, what you got for us? So we don't know because our kids are young. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're over right. But <laughs> But one quick mm -hmm. uh, story I was thinking about was Malachi. It was two years old, and we had at our old house a fireplace screen. And even though it's July, we teach the kids we don't touch the fireplace screen because mm -hmm. it can be hot. Mm -hmm. And he just, every time he walked by, he would just touch it with his hand. <laughs> and so I'd say, Malachi, we don't touch it. And then he would touch it again. I'd say, Malachi, we don't touch it. Malachi, we don't touch it. And finally, he reached out and touched it, and I grabbed his hand and gave him a little swat on his hand. Because a swat on the hand is a lot worse than a burn on the hand, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, and he analogy. looks at me and he sticks his tongue out and puts his tongue one inch away from the screen. <laughs> and he's two years old and he looks at me like, what are you going to do? And runs away from me. <laughs> and so what we learned from that experience is that the discipline has to resonate with that child. Mm -hmm. He does not respond to physical discipline. If I spanked him or if I did something physical to him, he, it, it wouldn't face him at all. And so each child's different on how they're, they're going to respond. And so he's more of a verbal, hey, I'm, I'm disappointed that you did that. And then he will just, it wow. hits him, you know. Right. Um, Isaac is isolation. Mm -hmm. Okay, you, you've done that. You lost the privilege to be around the, uh, the family. You need to go in the other room and, and take mm -hmm. a minute by yourself and regroup. And, and he just doesn't like that. So we found for just the kids, it's, it's finding what they respond to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we also kind of go on severity of what they did, you mm -hmm. know, like, did they take a toy from a sibling or were they crossing the road, you know, without looking, you know, like, right, so there's right. a severity. But one favorite thing we do is we make them redo it. Mm. So like, oh, Malachi took my toy, I want it back. And I'm like, okay, tell Malachi. Malachi, you took my toy. I'm like, redo it. I Malachi, you took my toy, redo it even better. Mm -hmm. Malachi, you took my toy, I'd like it back. So we make them redo it. And even if it takes five to 10 times until we're happy about it, man, it works, you know, with future That's interactions. Powerful. That's great. And finally, we like to bring God into it. Mm -hmm. Like if I do say, go, you, you need a timeout. They each have a chair with their name on it. Like go sit in your chair and I'll let them sit. And then I go and we talk about what they did. And I say, I am raising a saint. I am raising a gentleman. And you are going to be a husband one day, and this isn't how we're going to, you know, treat right. other people or whatever their action was. Like, I kind of want to bring sainthood 
back to it. Like you're going to be a saint one day and this is not how saints act. Mm-hmm. So we try to, you know, That's we awesome. hope it works. You guys. And the bees talked about like a united front and, and we try to do a united front, but let's be honest, mom is more constant correction, like do this, do this. And I'm the big disciplinarian when something big goes on and I embrace that rule and I'm okay with it. But they know if dad says something, then it means something, you know, mm-hmm. it's serious. Mm-hmm. And so we try to use the masculinity and femininity of the discipline as well to, mm-hmm. um, to form them. And I love that. That's so important that God designed us male and female, and it is complementary. And I think something that I learned over the years, um, maybe a little too late, but that, um, or wished I would have learned learned it right away, but that the kids need both, right? So, like, we need as wives or as moms to let dads be dads. And dads need to let moms be moms and not in contradicting each other, mm. but knowing that it, it is meant to be a complementary, complementary, you know, movement of right. discipline. And um, so I, Jeff, listening to you too, the, you know, poor Greg, when he, when I would bring him into stuff, you know, he didn't have all that emotional charge that I may have had. I'm you working know, in the like, basement or whatever, okay, and it's been going on I'm and like, I'm brought up and suddenly I need to be the presence. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great contributions, all of you. You're tuned in to Ignite Radio Live, Family Road Trip Podcast, and we're concluding this episode talking about discipline in the home. And just a few thoughts. What we desire, primal desire, urges, orientations, inclinations, whatever word you want to use, the mere prevalence of a desire does not make it right. And I think it's important to know that because our kids are being are in a culture where they're being told that. If you feel it, It must be God-given even, and you have a right to act on it. Which of us don't need to cultivate self-mastery over desires that we have? And the job to do that is parents. Parents foster a culture of helping young people order their desires for God. Cecil B. DeMille essentially said this, you really can't break the Ten Commandments. You can only break yourself against them. Find me one person who thought they could break adultery and not be broken against it, or break stealing and not be broken against it. You know, this is where we're united, brothers and sisters. Whatever your desire, inclination, or challenges as adults, we need to foster among our kids that there is a truth of our nature with God. We've been appointed and anointed as parents to foster that encounter with Christ that does have a shape. Love does have a shape. And if I could summarize, have the audacity to summarize every parenting book I've read, which I did a good bit in my master's program, I give you one sentence. Expect from them what they're able to do all the time without exception. I'll say it again. Expect from your children what they're able to do all the time without exception. If they're able to sit at the table politely and have a conversation, expect them to. If they're able to sit down and have meaningful prayer and a rosary without goofing around or disrupting, expect them to. If they're able to look an adult in the eye and shake their hand, expect them to. If they're able to pick up the phone and take care in fourth, fifth, sixth grade, a coach and uh, negotiate or navigate uh, something they need to miss, expect them to. If they're able to study and focus without digital devices, expect them to. If they're able to be forgiving, expect them to. If they're able to have empathy and love one another and be attuned to the need of another, expect them to. And that point that both of you make of a husband and a wife being united in that expectation, let me say this, you're forming you're adults right now. From the moment that child exists in the womb with prayer and love and kindness, our youngest children, we are forming in them the fabric of God, which is virtue for eternal life. We're forming that teenager. We still have our challenges as parents, and I've certainly been less than perfect, but I will say this. People often have said to us, you have amazing kids. You have amazing teenagers. And my response is typically, well, you didn't see them half hour ago. And I tease maybe a little bit because generally they are really good. But secondly, they didn't come out of the womb that way. You know, it takes the investment and the engagement. And final thing, this corona thing surfaced some challenges with many parents who found themselves in their homes and their kids together in a way they never knew before. And many of them threw up the white flag, didn't know what to do or beside themselves or hoping the government was going to hand out checks for psychological counseling at the end of weeks and months. And maybe a lot, many of you who are listening were confronted with the fact that, you know, these are God given to us and that maybe we've 
are the muscles that he's given us to form them for love in the Trinity have grown flabby because we've relied too much on what the Pope, the president, the pastor, the principal, and really it comes down to parents. We can do it. We can, as Rachel, you said, make that shift, that that determination that, you know, we're going to set the terms of the road here and we're going to recognize as imperfect as we do it, we've got to do it because no one else is going to do it. No one else is going to do it. And it is the cornerstone of civilization. You know, civilization passes by way of the family. So those are my impassioned, strong, experience-filled words, acknowledging our imperfectness and brokenness, but they are the fabric of what we're about with Mass Impact and I Love My Family, and how awesome to be journeying together with, with families and couples who are about that mission. So, so great to have you all with us here in the Family Road Trip Podcast, the fourth stop of seven weeks. And if you want to see all the other episodes, they are really remarkable, especially these two couples and the wisdom they have to bring, go there, I lovemyfamily.us. And uh, so blessed that you're with us. God bless you.